0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: Those moments, you know, birthday parties, births, marriages, all those things that those people aren't present at. Um, And I think that's keen felt every time, even on just a day-to-day basis.
2: I've never met our next guest in person and I've never talked to him before, but from the offset of this conversation, it will feel like I have because I feel like I know him quite well from following him on Twitter Giles Paley Phillips has been someone we've really wanted to join us on grief encounters for a really long time and so it was um, pretty cool to get the chance to talk to him. He's a writer and a podcaster. You probably know him from the excellent blank podcast and he talked to us about losing his mom at just six years old and how that kind of shaped his life. And yeah, I think follow him on Twitter for sure read his books. Listen to his podcast. This guy's got a lot of um, really important stuff to say. And I definitely felt like I learned a lot. Giles Paley Phillips is a writer and a podcaster from Sussex, best known for his award winning children's books and the excellent Blank podcast, which delves into those moments when things aren't working right. At the age of six, Giles lost his mother to leukemia, and that grief is something that has stuck with him closely ever since. His debut novel will be released this year, which looks at the story of a teenager facing the impending death of his terminally ill mother. I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. I feel like I know you a little bit. You probably get that from some people. (laughs) Just from (laughs) the the... power
1: of Twitter, isn't it?
2: (laughs) It's the power of Twitter. It definitely is the power of Twitter um, and definitely the power of the podcast. But one of the main reasons, the reasons I felt like I really connected to you was when you shared the story of your mom. Um, and seeing her beautiful face, I think it was a, it really struck me there was a photo of the two of you that you shared initially. I don't even know how long ago that was, um, and then even some video clips of her and she really stuck she stuck with me um and i I felt kind of connected to your story. Can you tell us a little bit about who she was just to start us off?
1: Yeah, it's funny. those videos you're talking about have only kind of come to light recently in my My brother came across them, and I think he just... They're on VHS, because they're from, like, the early 80s. Yeah.
3: Um,
1: My mum was a local councillor in our area, so she did a lot of media work. Mm. And that particular clip uh, was her talking about getting more funding from the then Thatcher government, which (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of people um, have sort of traumatic memories of. Um, And she was, yeah, she was trying, she was campaigning to get extra... Uh, funding for um, particularly leukaemia research, but cancer research in general, which was basically she was trying to get the government to match fund some Mm -hmm. of the charities because the charities were raising lots and lots of money, um, but the the governments weren't match funding it. So, yeah, so that was kind of that. So she did lots of media work and um, it happened that that particular um, piece of film was, uh, I was in it as well. Yeah. uh, Because I'd just come back from school I kind of do remember it, although I was only about, probably just, maybe just turned six. Um, and i come back from school, and yeah, I remember the film crew being there, and thinking, whoa, what's going on? Why are they, why are these they so mm-hmm. And then uh, they got me to come and sit with her, and I, I insisted that I needed something there for comfort. So I, I took my action man figure. <laughs> so I had me, there was me, action man, and my mum, and uh, yeah, we did this thing. And... It was interesting thinking about it even then. She was explaining her illness. She had leukemia, mm-hmm. terminally ill. She was explaining it to the, the reporter who was asking the questions. And I think even then I was like, What are you talking about? Like, what do you mean? what do you mean you're terminally ill? You know, I, I I I guess I'd been told at that time, but at the same time I was I was kind of living I was the viewer as well. I was finding out this stuff. Um well at least at least I thought I was finding out this sort of shocking news myself mm. I do the video if anyone looks it up on Twitter um yeah I look quite sheepish and and shy in the in the video and I think yeah I was just probably taking everything in that she was saying but yeah, so like I say she was a she was a local councillor very present in the local town everyone kind of knew her and certainly she sort of wore her illness like a coat of arms almost mm. um because it meant that she could Um, do good work within you know um, she's lots of work with leukemia research fund and she kind of used um, her influence in the local area and with with government and stuff to um, to help that cause
2: as an adult when you now when you're looking back at that I mean I think you Mm -hmm. probably see it in a totally different light because it takes an awful lot of strength and an awful lot of um, like courage to be active in, in fighting for things like that when you're sick yourself. Um, and I think mm. it, it, you, probably as a child, you, probably, you that's all you knew, that's what you were seeing was happening. But as an adult, do you look mm. back now and sort of see that in, in an incredible kind of way?
1: Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? I was having a conversation with someone else recently when we were talking about David Bowie. Yeah. And David Bowie, literally two days before he died, he released Star, which is his last album. Yeah. And it's some of his like greatest work. And for most people, we would, was, we were sort of saying for us, we'd probably be lying on our sick beds, mm. uh, like just getting the hit of morphine because we're wanting mm. to, to ease our pain. But mm. there are people who have incredible courage who can carry on doing what they're doing. And my mum was like that. She she just carried on to the end. And in fact, actually, um, again, I've sort of pinpointed a lot of memories from this little video clip. She does say about how. Um, actually having the disease wasn't as as bad as she'd imagined you know she Mm. thought she would be laid up and you know in pain and obviously she was near the very end but it was um something that didn't impact the work that she was doing and and it, it like I say it kind of fueled her to do to work even harder on these various different things but yeah I think I mean yeah I don't know how I would be in that situation if it was me uh it's hard to say isn't it really but you know I think I'd probably be the one lying on a bed, getting the morphine (laughs) in.
2: I know, I wouldn't blame you. I feel it'd be similar. Obviously, our podcast is about grief and loss and kind of how you deal with it. Um, But we actually have not had a lot of people who lost someone when they were very young someone mm-hmm. so close to them, especially a mother. We um, talked to Marco Pierre White about losing his mother when he was young, but really we haven't, a lot of times it was, it's was it been people when they've been a little bit older. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that the, particularly talking about this is extremely helpful to the people out there Whose lives were shaped by these very situations, where they've lost someone who is, like, I mean, as close to them as a person can possibly be in the world. What was it like? And if I know this, could this is a hard thing to talk about? But what was it like for you after she was gone and trying to adjust to the world at that age?
1: Well, again, I think because I was only six, I guess you know, people, my family would have probably smothered me a little bit Mm -hmm. and. Um, certainly, I felt very protected. Um, my dad was um, was quite a distant person anyway. He was uh, he had he had a, a relationship with alcohol, which went on throughout his life. And actually, he died in his um, late fifties as well, so due to alcoholism. So he was kind of distant. But I think I had very really. Um, really kind grandparents who were very supportive and I would spend a lot of time with them and I guess they took over some of the mothering roles, you know, like my my maternal and paternal grandmothers were were very kind of uh, mothering Mm. um, towards me. So I think, and being the, I've got an older brother, he's six years older than me, so I think probably the impact was more, um, I don't know, he probably felt it stronger than i did at the time. I think obviously... I would have, you know, I can't remember them now, but I'm sure I would have had moments. I've got young children now. I know that how they would feel if, if myself or my wife passed away. So mm. I know that I would have felt that keenly, but, but I think I didn't really feel the power of the loss, probably not until I became a teenager. Um, so, it, yeah, it sort of come out a lot later in life. And then I think there's stages of it. I mean, I was see grief as being a bit of a journey anyway Mm. which one you kind of kind of continue to move along and there are um valleys you go through and there are peaks you go through so it's i think for me um it wasn't till i was more in my teen years that um it started to resurface but Um, i think that's really
2: um that's really good sorry to interrupt you there that was i just wanted to just Mm. say that i think that's really eye-opening thing for people to be aware of because i do think people especially people who have not experienced grief they expect a certain mm. timeline um and they and i think anyone who lives it's their lived experience and it's their life they know that at, even years later it will take a form um again in a different way and i you know you probably or your family probably did not expect that later in your teenage years that this would take a different shape
1: no not at all and i could say. um I mean, it's horrible being a teenager, anyway, isn't it? Yes. Like we have all these horrible hormones <laughs> flying around, and you know you've got angst, and and you're trying to discover who you are as a person. Um, and as I, like I say, I had didn't have a particularly supportive um, home life at that time because my mm-hmm. dad was in the throes of alcoholism, and we we ended up living in a one-bedroom flat him, myself, um, him, and my paternal grandmother. Who um, used to sleep on the sofa, um, so it was a kind of a weird setup. My brother, kind of, he was because he was a bit older, he was able to leave home and, and he actually moved in with my maternal grandmother, and they kind of lived together mm-hmm. after my grandfather had passed away. So he was able to kind of get out and do his own thing, whereas I was sort of stuck in this weird kind of situation and sort of funny kind of setup with this this little one bed flat and sharing a room with my dad. So. Yeah, it was a very sort of strange time, and I think just being a teenager and being angry and sort of a bit disillusioned with, and not, and I think, you know, being a teenager, not knowing what to do with my life, and then thinking life would have been different if my mum had been around. Would you know, we would have had a different structure. Um, what would she have encouraged me to do? You know, that's stuff I still think about, obviously. Mm. Um, how my life would have been different, um, had my mum been around so yeah it's all those kind of things mixed up so it was a very confusing time to be honest
2: of course it was i mean like you just like Mm. you said you're already like as mixed up as you're ever going to be and then to Mm. not i think having those feelings of what would life be like that's very specific to those who grieve like yeah what's the other road because
3: Mm. you
2: know i know for me both my parents are dead and i i'm expecting my second baby and i've gotten so used to going through like I've got I've gotten so tough and such a thick skin to that I can go to a mm. scan or I can find out I'm having a child and I can I can almost even forget what the moment would be like how different the moment would be if they were here and then every once in a while I'll let it in and I'll think Yes. I'll think this oh my god, what if they knew about this? What if they were here for this? What if they met these children? Mm. And how there's a there's a deep loss in that, because you know that that will never be the story
1: mm mm-hmm. well, yeah, certainly now, with both my parents, I mean I've got two young children mm-hmm. I've been married, um had two children, obviously starting to find a career um of what I've been doing writing for about you know fifteen years mm-hmm. now and, and carving out a career they would never they haven't seen any of that
3: yeah. um,
1: that is when you start to feel the weight of loss and more, I think. And it's those, you know, when I, well, this us we're having a conversation with my wife. We're trying to work out childcare and we haven't got, you know, and her parents live, um, she's lost her father as well. And her mum lives about 200 miles away. And it's that, just those logistical moments you think, I wish I had a parent around that could, could just be around to, be with our children and it's those little things. And I I don't mean like that to sound um, Mm. um, anything other than it is that it is not, it wasn't for practical reasons, but I mean, just those moments, you know, birthday parties, Mm. births, marriages, all those things that those people aren't present at. um, And I think that's keenly felt every time. I mean, like I say, even on just a day to day basis, reading to my kids in the evening, thinking, oh, you know, I wish my mum had that had these moments mm. with my you know and seeing I mean I don't know what you're like your children, but seeing elements of your parents in your mm. children you know like there's sort of there's some you know character traits that are clearly
2: come yeah, from, from them.
1: within from some they've come down from somewhere yeah. you know and, that, and and that's that's really interesting and why i'm sort of saying about this journey that you're mm. constantly kind of traveling along and there uh, are just you know the traffic builds up sometimes and you're and you're kind of faced with oh look i recognize that over there and all you know yeah it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a funny thing
3: you should celebrate yourself every day but some days you should celebrate with jewelry whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to bluenile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's bluenile.com. bluenile.com.
1: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare.
3: Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.
2: I couldn't relate more to what you just said, I have to say, really, truly. Um, And it's nice, I don't mean this the way it sounds, but it's nice to hear someone else say it because oftentimes it's a very private journey as well. It's not Mm -hmm. one that you feel like certainly you might tell someone else, you know, who has had a similar experience, but you're you're not exactly sharing these things with everyone you meet or with the people you're, you know, you work with. The reason we have this podcast is because we're challenging those conversations around grief because it's still difficult. Yeah. When you're taught. Talk- I mean, I even see people; they'll um they'll start talking about grandparents' situations. Oh, they, they took the kids this weekend, or they did this, and I can see halfway through them saying it that they've realized what they're, you know, that they're kind of going, "Oh, fuck," and they're kind of thinking, "Yeah, you know, oh, sh- she doesn't have this," and or you know, like, could you not get help from people? And you think, well, actually, there's a lot less people. <laughs> there's just less, even not yeah, even. Yeah. less people um you know and that's just a that's just a fact I think I know the answer to this but I'm gonna ask you because I think you can Mm -hmm. be you can be very inspiring and very positive I don't want to use the word positive because I actually don't think that's the word to describe how your messages that you kind of have put out there in the world but very real very honest but also a lot of like kind of helping people get through the day sort of stuff um like did you go through a phase of it, of unfairness or like bitterness about your situation or do you feel like you always had some sort of part of you that didn't go down that road?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean uh, in my early 20s I was in a band and uh, basically just kind of wrote lyrics and music that was angry and bitter <laughs> and 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 why are you know and, and that kind of especially I think when you start um from a creative point of view you always kind of wanting more Mm. and there's a sort of feeling i guess sometimes if you've been through a traumatic period in your life or you've lost people you feel entitled to stuff yeah it's like a one minute my my parents are dead why am i not playing at some big festival you know so you kind of put it into practical things why am i not touring the country (laughs) with my band my parents dead (laughs) you know it's that kind of thing i'm look, you know what it 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 seems bizarre when you say it when yeah. I say it now, I think, well, but you do. You become like kind of entitled, almost like something of entitled. Um,
2: yeah, like I deserve I something know, but... back for all this.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I've been through a whole <laughs> crock of shite, yeah, basically, and exactly. I and I quite like things to go a bit better.
3: Yeah,
1: um, and obviously, life isn't like that. You have no. to, you know, you have we have to carve out our own kind of things, and yeah, certainly, I think in those yeah those early twenties, particularly. Again, I think I was still trying to... Probably just like a leftover from the teen years, just trying to still find my way. And it hasn't been until sort of more recent years Mm. that I've been able to um, be a bit more chilled about that kind of stuff. A bit more in tune with is is that we we get out what we put in, you know. It's Mm. it's not... not, um, You know, no one's going to wave a magic wand just because you had a bit of a shitty childhood, uh, Mm. you know. And uh, you've got to kind of own those things a little bit.
2: I remember someone saying to me, and I, I honestly wish I could forget it sometimes, but I can never forget it. Um, mm-hmm. So it was after my mother died and they said, well, this doesn't mean that worse things can't happen to you. And I was like, yeah. Because I really genuinely said, I think we've had enough of the bad times have to be over now. Yeah. Because I kind of believed that after both of them were dead and like, you know, it's surely, surely the bad times had to be like, it had to be the good times had to be ahead. And this person said, well, no, not necessarily. And they were, and what they were trying to say was that worse things could happen, like children and all sorts of those things. And as much as I was extremely upset and angry in the moment when, when they said that, It's always stayed with me a little bit because not that I live my life thinking what's coming next, but there are people and people we've met on this podcast who have had unimaginable circumstances. And therefore, Mm. to me, it's kind of more of a live in the moment or live as much as you can now, as best as you can while things are while things are OK and enjoy those moments with your children, your family, because you don't you just don't know what comes next.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I am a person, I think who lives in the present. I'm not a future dweller, I'm a present dweller. I sometimes dwell in the past, um, but I do try and stay in them. I don't plan too far ahead, I don't look too far, because, I, know, yeah, I don't, it's not that um, the cliched, life's too short thing, but it's just trying to stay in a safety place, a safe yeah. place. You know, I think the present's safe for me. Like, thinking about the future, and then I start thinking about mortality, and you know all the things that um, would make me very anxious. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so if I can stay in the present, um, it's it's a safer ground for me. The past is fairly safe as well, because that's gone; That's you can't do anything about yeah. that. But yeah, staying in the in the present for me is is definitely a bit of a safe now. That, that's just protecting myself, I think, from from yeah, like I say, getting anxious and upset that, you know, at some point in time, I'm going to die as well, you know, and my members of my family are going, you know, and there's going to be more things, but to actually stay in, stay in the present for me is, yeah, it's just a chance to sort of offset that for a little bit.
2: Yeah. There's a lyric that I know you like lyrics too. So you'll be into this. I'm, I'm a poetry lyrics person myself. And, uh, there's a lyric that that I love so much about, and I'm going to get it wrong. So I'm not going to quote it directly, but it's just about how, (laughs) how memories are a really safe place because they never have to change because there is no, you have one version of them, you know, but our present life and our future life is always dependent on accepting change and accepting different, outcomes yeah. whereas we can you know when we look back it's almost factual in its and it can't be it can't be altered or uh, obviously it can be if someone were to come in and sort of to tell you that a truth that you believed was not the truth or something like that but I always stuck yeah, with me yeah. a little bit I want to ask you about your curiosity um in the in people and in the world because for me, I fully feel that the g- loss in my life has made me a lot more curious about people's experiences mm. and how they have lived their lives and how they have changed their lives or how people in general, the hu- the full human experience through the podcast and stuff like that. Like, has that been your experience, too, where you kind of just have um, a curiosity for people and how they live?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, it's, and this is something that's come up on the podcast in the last few weeks, actually. We talked a lot with a few guests about um, you know, the human condition and wanting to really connect yeah. um, and how we live in a world now, obviously, where connection isn't a problem, um, yeah. but do we truly connect? Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to start the podcast was because I'd met all these brilliant people uh, online and stuff like that, and I wanted to actually meet them for real and have a proper sit-down conversation and really connect for an hour um, on a human level and talk about stuff that, you know, that as creative, you know, because we get a lot of creative people on, something that, I, you know, I could take away from being a creative, you know, how they, obviously our podcast is about blank moments yeah. and how whatever those might be, it's an interpretive thing. Um, and, you know, things like grief come up quite often and that's, you know, something I there's always takeaways from that. But yeah, it's having that, that pure connection in the real world, and I love social media. I'm, I'm a big aficionado of social media—Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'm on all of them, and I'm a heavy user of them, probably too heavy actually. Um, but I think having that uh, real life connection is what um, what drives me. Really, mm-hmm. I've started taking myself. Um, there's a little cafe in our town, uh, and. I go there now most mornings for a cup of tea or coffee to write, to do to do a bit of work. Um, because I see the sim- similar faces every day. I see, yeah. um, and being a writer, obviously it's a very solitary kind of occupation. But actually getting to see people and connect with them and have a short conversation yeah, it's just sometimes it's just hellos. And stuff. having that having that connection with them is just so powerful for me. Um, and yeah, and of course, being a writer, I'm intrigued. I'm always interested in what people are, are doing, what they're saying. Um, mm. I'm a people watcher, for sure. I think that's part of being, I think writers are often like that.
2: You obviously use social media a lot, and there's so much mm. out there about the balance and, you know, yeah, of course, w- w- yeah. that we're all looking for, like, a way to, and I, I've been going through sort of a weird thing where, sometimes my my online life now this is really kind of effed up, but like my online life can feel a little bit safer because um I feel like it's quite supportive and it's like, you know, like I'm, mm. I'm not somebody that's facing a lot of like trolling or anything like that, luckily, but um, mm-hmm. it does feel like sort of a like safe spaces and people are really supportive and things like that. Um, but then in terms of like the parenting world, I was feeling quite like I feel like it can be a very insecure place because there's a lot of expectations about how families should be and how how you should parent and what's oh, right yeah. and what's wrong. And then I ran into a friend on the street. Shout out to Allison if she's listening uh, on the street last just randomly who I hadn't seen in a couple of months. And we just talked for a half an hour, just while I was walking home, and like the, mm. I had such levity in my heart, I felt so much better from just like because yeah. there was no like reading between the lines. So it seems like if we're going to do this, which we're clearly going to do, we know this is going to yeah. our online lives are right. not going to go away. We, it feels like we need to find that, some sort of place where we do both.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and 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 for me, it was facilitating. So the podcast is also facilitating that for me. Yeah, is being it's allowing me to. To do that uh, with people I've never met before, and obviously people I'm, in, you know, it's slightly different. I'm talking to well-known people. It's it's people I'm inspired by and and want to know more about. But um, certainly, I think you're right. I think a balance does need to be addressed, yeah. um, and that you know it's very it'd be very easy to just kind of not go out of our houses and just stay in front of our phones or laptops mm. or desktops or whatever, and just sort of stay within that world. But I think. I still think like human connection on a in, in the real world is is so vital for us um, as a species. I
3: yeah.
2: think
1: we just I don't think we can cope. I, well, certainly I can't cope if I if I don't have that.
2: No, I I noticed you were reading Emily Dean's book. I don't know if she's um if she's a possible upcoming guest for you guys. She is. She, <laughs> we've just
1: we've just spoken to Emily. Um, so yes, yeah, she'll be up yeah in about three or four weeks time
2: we interviewed her in person for grief encounters in London. And she's a great example of being in the presence of someone and just like actually feeling their feeling that, you know, when you're sitting in front of them and you're watching them talk and they're watching them kind of express themselves. Like she'll, she's just one of those people that's totally made an impression on me. Um, I'm looking forward to to hearing that episode. We're, we're running out of time. So I just wanted to say thank you so much. I could have talked to you forever. I really appreciate you sharing this part of your life with us, it helps a lot of people, and we get a lot of feedback from people that this has a real impact on them. So we all appreciate it.
1: Oh no, it's an absolute pleasure, and uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks,
2: thanks so much.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well.